welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, appreciate you joining in and listening to us to this week. I'm pleased to be joined by a great, uh, great friend here who's joined us over the weeks uh, for the last, I think, five years now. Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Jeff, the the draft is now in our rearview mirror, and it was quite the NFL draft, wasn't it? about how this was going to work as far as the online capacity. Um, I, I think it pretty much you know, went all extremely, extremely well. And now you actually have some franchises maybe reevaluating their thinking and how they're doing things. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, how many people worked from home in this era now? And you have some of these franchises that say, you know what, maybe this wasn't the worst thing in the world. And, you know, everybody's heard for years about, you know, the wear and tear, you know, that coaches' lives have on a family. Maybe this is a way to loosen things up here. And, you know, Maybe we found something good here in a bad situation. I think it was cool to see all of the GMs and uh, coaches' families and stuff, you know, hooting and hollering over the picks, the kids, the the, the wives, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's uh, mansion that it looks like he's like Bruce Wayne or Mike Zimmer's uh, hunting lodge there down in Kentucky. I thought it was just really cool to see all of these personnel people and coaches in their own home environments. That was cool to see. It was. I mean, and like you could, like you know, obviously nail some of them. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, bachelor. Yeah, probably yeah. pretty well for himself out there in Arizona. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, and another guy you know, with the ages, you know, guys with the kids and the grandkids, and, and poor Dave Gettleman. You know, as much as we like to give him some, you know, some flack, so to speak, here. But here's an older guy. You know, this issue here in New Jersey is a serious one. Yep. And here he is doing his work in his home, and he's you know got to be masked up and. You know, we saw a lot, and I think it was also an opportunity to see some of these guys, even in the most stressful part of their jobs, you know, get to kind of see, you know, some normalcy that, you know, everybody kind of puts their pants on one leg at a time at the the beginning of the day. Yep, and apart from uh, Roger Goodell rewarding the 2020 uh, draft to Las Vegas, even though he meant 2022, I mean... and maybe some slight delays on the TV side in terms of, you know, analysts talking or whatnot... The TV production side went really, really well. Uh, I was amazed with how quickly round one went. That mm-hmm. was the part that shocked me. And I'm not sure if maybe some of these teams said, look, you know, we've got trade offers here. You want to know what? I don't want to get involved in this. I don't want something to happen. I wouldn't just go get my stinking guy here, have the building block of what this draft class is going to be, and we'll entertain that stuff later. Because, I mean, to think of the fact that we went, uh, I mean, I, I forget if it was 10 or even how many it was, 11, 12, whatever. How many picks went off in that first round before there was the first trade? I think you saw some teams just a little bit nervous about the situation and saying, you want to know what? I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay put. I've got guys that are like, I'm going to get my guy here. And then you know, we can start working the phones overnight and things like that nature, maybe setting up trades for day two, day three, et cetera here. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the speed that you know, round one went off the clock absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, and uh, there were no trades in the top ten. I think that's the first time since I think I heard what twenty fifteen or maybe a maybe a year or so after. I mean, it was that was insane. And I wondered if that was you know maybe something to do with technology or the time that it would take to put a trade together. And there were several trades in the first round, and the most uh, glaring one is the Green Bay Packers trading up from thirty to twenty six. Now there were some good wide receivers on the board there. Uh, even though you know Justin Jefferson had gone by that point, but T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, uh, you know, they were certainly available at that time for the taking. 
And no, the Packers decide to take Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State. And you know what? If, if there are some comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, if you want to get that next Mahomes, that is fine. So while that pick maybe wasn't, it was a bit of a eyebrow raiser, it was the rest of the Packers draft that I think has left everyone scratching their heads and left them overwhelmingly being the losers of the draft because they just didn't make sense or get any weapons, real weapons, for Aaron Rodgers to use. First things first, look, if, if Jordan Love was your guy, and look, if, if we can sit back here in four years and say, you know what, Jordan Love has really turned into a heck of a quarterback for the mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers, then nobody's going to say anything about it here. But the yep. question is, is the direction and, and the moves they've made over the last couple of years. Um, you, you went out last offseason, you paid big money to two defensive ends. The year before, you used your first-round pick on a corner in Jairi Alexander. You know, then in 19, you used your first-round pick on a safety in, in you know, Darno Savage, you know, turned out to be a really, really nice ball player for them. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of years, you've built this roster with the, we are a now team. We are 100% a now team. Making this room for Jordan Love says you don't know if you're a now team anymore um, because you're going to have a, a round one investment, and if all goes well for Green Bay, you're going to have a round one investment for a guy that may not see the field at, what, two, three, four years? I mean, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Nope. Um, we know Aaron can get a little testy, <laughs> I mean, to put it mildly. Yep. Um, and and that, uh, that stat that came out the other day that Aaron Rodgers has thrown one touchdown in his entire career to a guy who was drafted in the first round, and that just happened a few months ago with Mercedes Lewis. A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is a good north-south runner, but he's got the acceleration of like a Lincoln Town car. Once he gets moving, he's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but running back, uh, the, their running back led the NFL in touchdowns to the running back position last year. So any opportunity you can choose to get Aaron Jones off the field more, it doesn't really sound like a very, very smart idea. Um, yeah. DeGara, the tight end, uh, yeah, I mean, you drafted you know, the kid out of Texas a and last year. Um, I don't know if he's a world beater at the tight end position. I just don't know what they did and where you can look at any capacity of the Green Bay Packers draft and say, wow, you want to know what? They're a significantly better football team. I don't see anything here that says they're a better team than the one that got you know, waxed by San Francisco twice. Yep. And right now, San Francisco is the benchmark. Yep. They needed more help for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, they needed. They yep. did not do it. Yeah, this is not a team that I think has done anything within the offseason. Oh, you know, big deal. You you got Devin Funches. You know, that's that's fantastic. But they have done nothing to help this team get past the NFC Championship game, which they got to last year. Somewhat surprisingly, I think people didn't expect that in Matt LaFour's uh, first year. But, I mean, they've taken, a, I think, a step back, or at the very minimum, they've achieved all that they can do at, with the team that they have based on the talent that they've acquired or lack thereof. And wasn't Harrison Bryant the, the tight end from Florida Atlantic who could who's arguably the best tight end in the in the draft? Wasn't he there available to him? And the, uh, the, the Browns took him in the fourth round? So, I mean, the moves that Green Bay made, if they are really trying to be a run-first team and you have Jamal Williams and you have Aaron Jones there, it just... Nothing made sense with what they did after the Jordan Love pick. If we're, if we're going to look at the at their draft in totality, 
I agree. Um, Harrison Bryant probably would have been a better fit. You know, the Browns uh, were able to get him 21 picks later. Um, and the Browns 100% said after the selection, this is a guy we had no idea and any thought that we were going to even see his name here. Um, and this is after they had, you know, brought in Austin Hooper. They were still big fans of David Njoku. They just gave him, you know, they exercised his fifth year option on his rookie deal yesterday. They just took him because it was good value. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you can sit here and, and do it all day long. I, I just, and I'm sure this is going on with Aaron Rodgers, probably some certain prominent players in that franchise, wondering just exactly what this team did, what exactly this front office did to make this team better. Because I, I, I don't see it. Um, AJ Dillon, uh, you know, Dillon, you know, obviously where they took him at, you know, pick 30 the second round. Ideally, you don't want this kid to play a snap. Um, mm-hmm. You want Aaron Jones to flourish. Yep. So, you know, there was another wasted pick. You, you certainly could have gotten a wide receiver there. Could have gotten a wide receiver in the third round. Um, I, I, just all around, just a, a very, very confusing, uh, puzzling, head-scratching effort from the Green Bay Packers front office. We won't completely spend all this time bashing the Packers, though it does bring me some joy in doing that. Uh, I thought there were a lot of teams that had fantastic drafts, and we'll get to some of those teams here in a moment. But what were some of the picks that that teams made that you were like, wow, that is an absolutely great pick by them? And then also on the flip side, some head-scratching moves, some head-scratching picks outside of Green Bay. Um, I like what Jacksonville did in the, in the first round. Now, you talk about this team, you know, here's a team a couple of years ago, um, probably should have won that AFC championship game in New England. And what was the calling card, essentially, of that defense at the time, uh, of that team at the time? It was defense. Mm-hmm. Um, none of those guys are there anymore. Almost like none of them. And I mean, like, none of them. Um, yes, you drafted Josh Allen last year. Um, you know, the Yanni Nagakwe situation doesn't look like he's had to play down to football. Once this stuff gets that ugly in social media, Yanni Nagakwe is not going to be part of the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Right. So they were able to get an edge rusher at pick 20 uh, with Caleb on Chaton. Um, it's going to take them some time to learn. And guess what? That's okay. Jacksonville's not going to be contending in 2020. Nope. So you've got a bunch of kids here. You're going to throw it on the field and see what you got. Um, you know, I, I think C.J. Henderson, we had talked about this at times here, it was tough to figure out this cornerback class. You know, when you have to say, who is the second best at a position within a positional group in the NFL, then you wonder whether or not you know, that's going to be a first-round pick. As it proceeded and as it got through the process, C.J. Anderson, who had really good tape, killed the combine. So, boom, you get two guys here right now for your defense. They're going to see what they have in Gardner Minshew. Um, but I also like the fact that they uh, you know, added LaVisca Chanel in round two to go with Gardner Minshew. Look, mm-hmm. there's no guarantee a fifth-round quarterback's going to end up being your guy. But they at least put Gardner in a position to see where he is or he isn't. And look, if this doesn't go, if this goes the way it looks like it's going to go, and Jacksonville's going to be in that top five, pick, top six next year, it probably ain't going to matter what Gardner Minshew did last year in yep. 2020. If there's an opportunity for Justin Fields, if there's an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence, they're going to go ahead and pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. But they were smart here with the pieces they assembled on defense. You know, Dave Gettleman taking Andrew Thomas, you know, you give a round of applause. All right, Dave Gettleman did the right thing. And you know, when we talk. And we did the mock. I said, until I see Dave Gettleman do the right thing, I'm not going to believe he's going to do the right thing. <laughs> he went ahead. He went ahead and he did the right thing. There's the first um, time for everything. Patriots, of course, of course, of course. The Patriots trading out of round one, the end, all of the Patriots staple, things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I thought the Chiefs taking Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a little bit interesting. 
just because, you know, the running back they had really suits their system, and obviously they resigned him after, you know, a great Super Bowl for him. Yep. I thought if they were going to go running back, I thought maybe they were going to go more the fastest guy kind of of the group. But, you know, with him there being the great receiver that he is, um, and they're not going to have to put a boatload on his plate because obviously they already have a running back. You know, I thought that was an interesting selection. I liked San Francisco's two picks. You were able to, you know, you think, you know, the way you look at it for San Francisco is they moved a defensive tackle into Forest Parker who they couldn't afford anymore. Mm-hmm. So they moved him to Indianapolis, got that pick back. What did you do? You went and got a defensive tackle that now you can afford. He's had a much more reasonable, controllable contract. That defense shouldn't miss much, you know, skip much of a beat from what they did in 19 to make them as strong as they were. They were. I love that they, they add these yak wide receivers. You know, he understands his system. Mm-hmm. He understands what works there. Um, so, you now you have Devo Samuel, you have Kittle, you add, um, you know, Ayuk to the situation. These are guys that just, they get the ball in their hands and they're really, really tough to tackle. You add it to what you do well. And that was really impressive, I think, the two picks San Francisco made in the first round. The order of the tackles, uh, Thomas and then Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton, and then Tristan Wirfs there, those were the top four tackles in the draft. Were you surprised at the order in which they were picked in? Not really, because here was the thing. There was no way to dictate this. They were all good. Mm-hmm. They were all really good. Andrew Thomas had the greatest tape resume of any of these guys after playing three solid years in Georgia. Tested as a good athlete. Jedrick Wills, the question mark you had is everybody was going to take him and play left tackle. And look, it's really hard to say, and I, we always go back, you know, uh, Pete Smith, who does my shows with me, yep. we always go back to this line of, it's about what I can, it, it's not about what I think, it's about what I can prove. It's really difficult to say Jedrick Wills is going to be a really good left tackle. He's never played there. So until he does it, it, it that is a tough thing. So that's where I thought it was interesting for the Browns, because they kind of went away from an analytic approach with that. Normally, you know, if you're looking at things analytically, you want every bit of information you can get. Mm-hmm. Well, they took a guy to play left tackle that they've never seen play left tackle. The Jets, look, it got to the point for the Jets where it didn't matter. The Jets would take the left tackle. Whoever was there was going to be their left tackle. Beckham is a great kid. That's his personality. And he's just a big, bad son of a gun. And look, you're not going to get around him. I mean, the guy is six foot eight, 365 pounds. It's going to take you five six, seven seconds, even if you're a lead pass rusher, just to physically get around him. And that's if he doesn't touch you, because that's how big he is. So you're protecting Sam Darnold here. They were able to double up, get Mims there. Um, worst, look, there was a lot of folks I respect and a lot of folks in this business that said, look, he may be an elite guard. You know, And they were talking all-pro guard. Mm. People were taking it as a knock. Look, if you're going to say somebody is an all-pro somewhere, that ain't a knock. It's not a knock in any way whatsoever. Right. Um, but it was just preference. And, you know, it was just preference of where they went. The Browns said right after the Will selection, this was another one, we didn't think we had a shot. The Browns thought it was going to come down to Beckton and worse for them. That is what they thought. They, they thought Thomas was going to be gone. They assumed somebody else besides the Giants was going to take a tackle. So when they had the opportunity with three tackles on the board at 10, you know, they were, you know, I mean, they were, you know, tickled pink, so to speak. They were just, they, yeah. they were thrilled because they're saying they like Will more than Thomas. I, I, I don't believe it. From everything I know, they like Andrew Thomas as the best back on the class. They were totally fine and more than, you know, more than happy to get Will's there. Um, I thought they would go a little earlier overall. I thought you would see these tackles all go before the time they did. 
Um, but look, there were some really, really electric players at other positions that some teams were in a position they just could not pass on. And, you know, so the tackles lasted maybe a little bit longer than they should. Um, I think, you know, I had a little more going in the first round than actually did go in the first round at the offensive tackle position. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun group. And, yeah. you know, it, I, I think, you know, a lot of teams stabilized some offensive line issues that they had. Um, that they don't think are going to be issues in the 2020 season. Well, think of the value that the Vikings got with Ezra Cleveland and the Cardinals got with Josh Jones. I mean, these guys, these tackles weren't supposed to be available to them, and they didn't have to trade up at all. They didn't have to spend any of their draft capital to get these two offensive tackles that could be cornerstones of their offensive line for years to come. When we did the mock, I told you I thought Isaiah Simmons to Arizona would be a great fit. Mm-hmm. I thought the Giants were going to nab him. Why I liked Isaiah Simmons to Arizona was just, if you like his versatility, you need some players that are also versatile. We had mentioned Buda Baker as one guy where Isaiah Simmons could be a big asset there. Mm-hmm. So for me, everybody, Arizona's going to tackle, tackle, tackle. I think those, you look at this team, I just don't see how they can go off into tackle with what they have on the defense. They ended up obviously taking the most athletic guy in the draft who can do a bunch of things. They're going to start him at linebacker. I know everybody's getting you know, all up in their feelings, so to speak, about it. But until he's comfortable at linebacker and playing that you know, on a consistent basis, you're not going to put more on the kid's plate. It makes no sense to do that. Exactly. So if he's an athlete, he's going to find his way to the ball regardless. Take it slow. It's the, it's the smartest thing to do. The kid is young. He's just a pup. Take your time with him. Let him get established. Now, what was the other one we had? Arizona and... Uh, uh, the, the Vikings getting Ezra Cleveland. Uh, uh, and this is where you're going to enjoy it. I, I, I kind of really, really just liked what the Minnesota Vikings did. Woo-hoo. And part of it was because they kind of just basically waited it out, you know, basically got their opportunities, and you know, and then even on day three when you know, the opportunity came, they just went and struck, and they got players. Now, I, you know, and I do believe... That, Nathan, not only did I put Justin Jefferson in that block from Minnesota, yep. I'm pretty sure I put Jeff Gladney in there as well. Yes. So you get those two players, boom. Now, you've handled your second wide receiver, you've got a starting cornerback. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, here's an athletic guy. Let's see. Um, if Ezra Cleveland was a target for the Browns because of the system they run, guess where else he would have been a target for? The Minnesota Vikings exactly. because of the offense they run. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Cameron, Cameron Dantzler, look, he's a little bit slow, yeah. I think he's going to make up for it with blank. He's got good length. He played everybody in the SEC. Is he going to be a full-fledged, shut-down cornerback one? Maybe not, but boom. You, so he doesn't have to be, because essentially that's what you draft Jeff Gladney to be. Um, James Lynch and Baylor. The reason I love this selection is James Lynch can play anywhere, can do any role on a defensive line. Yep. He can play on the edge. He can play inside. If you want him to absorb blockers, it's not the best thing in the world to do that but he can do it. You get 12 sacks from a guy who played in the interior. Great selection. Yep. Um, Willikies, Michigan State. I'm not, I wasn't the hugest fan, but the value of where you got him, yeah, that'll work. Seventh round. Um, and look, you've got, you've got, you've got pass rushers. You drafted a pass rusher ahead of him. You know, it, it, what are you trying to do with Minnesota? Who do you got to beat? You got to beat Green Bay. How you beating Green Bay? Get Aaron Rodgers on the ground. So I think Minnesota had a great, great day. And then you look at all these guys they picked up on day three. Granted, not all of them are going to make it here. Yep. But, you know, and I think some of these moves weren't so much about 2020. They're going to see where this team is at here. Look, it, it, it seems for all intents and purposes, Minnesota is in for 2020. And we'll see how far it goes. 
yep. but where it's going to go afterwards. And that's great. That's why you make as many selections as you did on day three, and you've got a building block for the foundation of whatever 2021 will be. Minnesota quietly, I think, really, really put together a nice three days. Yeah, and you know what? They, they had a lot of roster holes to fill. I mean, their secondary is practically depleted outside of Mark Hughes and Holton Hill. I mean, who knows if you can even count on Hill to, you know, if he can be smart off the field. But yeah, they got the secondary help. They picked up a couple of safeties. I like the die pick, the the linebacker from Oregon. As you mentioned, I lo- I'm in love with the Lynch pick. He kind of reminds me of a Chris Hovan, uh, so to speak. I think that's a... Um, that was a great pick there. And yeah, you know what? I would have liked to see them get one of the Minnesota kids, whether that be Tyler Johnson or Antoine Winfield Jr. I wouldn't have minded them, you know, taking, you know, Ben Barch, the, the kid from St. John's. But, you know, and seeing how they filled out the roster and 15 picks, no, no team has ever had as many picks as the Vikings did. And then also getting a couple of extra picks for next year to have that capital to be able to move up should they need to next year to, to acquire a player. Yeah, overall, the Vikings, I thought, did a very good job of filling out their roster, a, a roster that was largely depleted through some salary cap hell that they're going through, in large part because of the contract to Kirk Cousins. Well, and the other thing is, you, know, you understand you're committing big money to some players, mm-hmm. but with that, you've got to get controllable. you got to get controllable cap. And when you've got a rookie class like they do, You've got controllable cap here for a few years. And look, even if there is some sort of mini blow-up of this franchise, yeah, you're still going to have some, some money around. Yep. Um, you're going to be able to go out and look, all right, maybe this guy's out, but you want to know what? That doesn't mean we're going bargain basement here. We can still kind of go with a name here. I think Minnesota really, really had a nice weekend. The AFC West, I think I feel like the you know Drew Locke should probably feel like he's the the most blessed guy out of anyone after this draft was over with the weapons that the Broncos surrounded him with, uh, in, including uh, Jerry Judy with their first overall pick. But I th- I think them and the the Broncos and the Raiders were like, okay, we're not going to stop Kansas City. We just have to match them score for score. So we could see some shootouts at the OK Corral in the AFC West for many years to come because they really went all out for the, the weapons on the offensive side. Well, I, I'll start with the Chargers. Look, I have no problem with going ahead and picking, you know, uh, you know Justin Herbert and yep. you have Tyrod Taylor. There ain't nobody on the blind side that either one of these guys. So... Look, I mean, you did what you did, and, you know, God bless you in that respect. Um, you know, maybe they can find a way to get Jason Peters to come, you know, all the way out, out west, but they're going to need somebody there because the names they're floating around to play left tackle, it, it just ain't cut mm-hmm. it. And I do agree with you. The Raiders and the Broncos said, look, if we're playing Kansas City, it don't matter how good our defense is. It don't matter to this team. You look at the last 10 minutes of the Super Bowl, it don't matter against Kansas City. we got to be thinking 30 minimal and you you add Hamler, you add Jerry Judy, you you know, you look at uh you know, what the Raiders did drafting three wide receivers. It's kinda of interesting, um, because I, I don't know the quarterback the Raiders have who's gonna throw all these deep vertical passes to these wide receivers that they just drafted. Right. Um so that so I really thought on day three they were gonna be major, major players for Jacob Eason just because of the monster arm and maybe he would have matched them the speed they had. Um so, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Raiders draft, but, you know, where you're going with this is where I'm going with it. it we need to score, and mm-hmm. we need to score a ton. Um, whether or not they can come back and come to fruition, I'm not too sure. But, I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes and only his third year, look, he ain't going nowhere. So it's 
not like this is a you know an old AFC East thing where it's you know, maybe this is the year Tom will go. Maybe yep. this is the year Tom Brady will leave. No, no, no. Patrick Mahomes ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere for another decade minimum. So if this is the style they play and they can score a ton of points, it's either you know it's either join them and hope to beat them. Or just understand the fact you're competing for a wild card every season. Yep, and I, I want to be clear. I don't think the Raiders had one of the best drafts, but with some of the moves they made, especially with the Henry Ruggs, you can see where they're going with trying to compete with Kansas City, at least scoring points and you know on the offensive side of the ball. A number of great teams had, or a number of teams had great drafts. Uh, Cincinnati, I thought, did very well. Cleveland, uh, your Browns did great. You know, getting Grant Delpit in the second round. And stuff, uh, you know, you had mentioned Jacksonville. They were good, and we talked about Minnesota. The two teams that stuck out to me, though, were the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it seems like Baltimore, it doesn't matter who the GM is, whether it's, you know, DaCosta or Ozzie Newsome. They just have a great draft seemingly every year. They get some very good players, and this year was no exception. Uh, getting Patrick Queen from LSU and J.K. Dobbins falling to them as well. So there is some luck involved there but then I look at the Cowboys you'll see D Lamb falls right into the laps at 17 I don't think that's who they were going to pick initially but he's there you have to take him he provides an excellent another weapon for Dak Prescott they got some cornerbacks they got the center out of Wisconsin they got the needs that they needed I thought Dallas and Baltimore just really did a nice job overall you know, obviously, you know, it's, it, you know I, I know Baltimore. I know them well. Yep. Um, they needed linebackers. So you go get you get Patrick Queen. Malik Harrison from Ohio State. And there's another guy. It's what they do. Yep. Big linebackers. Good speed. Um, the Dobbins pick for me was probably the, the sword to the heart. Because <laughs> you think of what they're doing. You know, um, you know, Mark Ingram obviously had a fantastic year. A guy like Gus Edwards is, has a little role there. Mm-hmm. Um, they drafted the kid out of from Oklahoma State last year, Hill, who I liked. And, you know, he chose some wiggle. And it's like, well, you got Dobbins out there. Really? Really? I mean, J.K. Yeah. Dobbins in with Mitch too now? Um, and, you know, obviously Dobbins played well with a running quarterback with Justin Fields at Ohio State. That was a that was a, a tough pill to swallow, so to speak. They added yet another uh, another wide receiver that we like out of uh, Texas and Devin DeVorne. Yes. Um, you're yep. going to play this slot. But the thing is, DeVorne doesn't run like a slot. This guy runs like four, mid four threes. So, you know, having that come out of the slot is just scary, scary. Dallas' draft, I wasn't as high just because I, maybe it's because I'm looking at it more of fit. This team needed more. They needed some more on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're telling me, oh, we're hoping on Alden Smith, really? I mean, you're hoping on Alden, Alden Smith, really? Yep. Like, I mean, if that's the name you're holding out, that, that causes me some hesitation. Right. That's a players, fair point. The players themselves, yeah, the players themselves, I don't have a huge issue with. Um, Lamb, how do you turn down? C.D. Lamb was, you know, I mean, you want to already argue Judy Lamb, that's fine. Both of these guys deserve to be drafted in the top ten. Both went later, obviously. Um, Diggs, you know, the thing I think people don't understand about Diggs is, and uh, you would know, Nathan, obviously your listeners would know, is mm-hmm. he's got the mentality that his brother has. He is, he's a dog. He's a, I, it's, I'm not going to be here for 60 minutes. I'll be here for 70 minutes. I'll be here for 100 if I have to. He's that type of competitor. Um, Neville Galmore out of Oklahoma was a player I liked. The, he, you like the motor, everything about him. The production necessarily wasn't always there. Um, but I do think what they did was they went value. And even Bradley and I out of Utah, and, you know, midway through the fifth. Mm-hmm. Great, great player? Maybe not. You know, I'm sorry, supplemental pick in the fifth. Great, great player? Maybe not. Maybe a little bit of a limited athlete here. 
but they have edge rushers here. So you're going to bring this guy into the fold here where he's going to be maybe the third, fourth concern. And there's going to be some offensive line in this league that he's going to be able to whip, and he's going to be able to beat with one step here. So that should be a nice asset for them. Um, you know, I think they also kind of similar, kind of went with you know, what we were talking about with the Raiders, with the Broncos. Well, hell with it. You know, who cares about they? Get C.D. Lamb in here. We've got Amari Cooper. We've got weapons everywhere. You know what? Yeah, I think they are the Kansas City of the NFC. I mean, just think you have Amari Cooper and Zeke, and now you got with you know, Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. I don't know. I don't know what Blake Jarwin's going to do at, at tight end for them. I don't know how good he is, but I mean, if you have those wide receivers that are going to take the top off, I mean, he's going to have that middle of the field wide open for him at times. I think Dak Prescott is going to, you know, assuming he. You know, signs his deal, or they they come to a long term deal, or he plays under the franchise tag. He's going to have a dynamite year. I mean, there's just everything looks like it's their offense is going to be fantastic, and they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC East. If if, if, if Dallas is smart, they get that long term deal worked out now. Yeah. Don't let him play on his franchise tag because he's going to go drop another five grand on the NFL. And guess what? Then they are not going to be able to report it. Yeah. I don't know what's taken him so long to get him signed to this point anyway. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. And so those are the teams that I really like. Head-scratching decision, maybe number two, apart from anything that the Packers did in the draft. Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. Now, I get it from the standpoint that maybe it's always nice to have a very good backup for the often-injured Carson Wentz. But... He, but Hertz has enough talent that he can one day be a starter in this league. At least that's how I feel like. I think you do as well, too, correct? Yeah, no. And Jalen Hurts, I think you know, he really exponentially grew his game in his year at Oklahoma. And at the time, I was kind of with you on the well, what in the world did they maybe just do here? But look, you can't ignore the fact that Carson Wentz has missed a lot of time. Yep. And here's the thing. And, and, and why did they win that Super Bowl? Because they were smart enough to have a second quarterback within the fold. Exactly. Um, now you look at you know you look at Peterson, you look at the front office. You're not going to get that. And so the thing with Hurts is, even if you you got to play him as a rookie, and maybe ideally you don't want to, he's got that Russell Wilson type game to him where mm-hmm. he doesn't have to just be about throwing the ball. You cover everybody, all right, that's fine. I'll pick up 12 yards with my legs. So you can do that. If he does get an extended opportunity to play in a year or two, you may have a decision where, you know, are we going to continue to pay Carson this money or are we going to save ourselves a boatload of money by moving on from Carson, giving the reins to Jalen Hurts here. But then I look at the way the rest of their draft went together. Davion Taylor out of Colorado, he's – the thing with Davion Taylor, and he didn't play – in high school due to his religion. He couldn't play games at night. Showed up every day, practiced his ass off. When he was 18 years old, his his mother told him, your life is your life. You do what you want. He wanted to go play football, and he became really good at it. Still learning, but he's a really, really fast linebacker, and he can chase people down. Uh, Kayvon Wallet out of Clemson. Smart, smart defender. Mm -hmm. To say he's a safety is fair, but he can do anything you ask of him. He's a hybrid. He can play some corner. He tackles well. Obviously, his career at Clemson, he played in a ton, a ton of big games. So it's not like, you know, the big lights are going to scare this kid any way whatsoever. 
I thought about that Driscoll as a you know, uh, right tackle later on in the draft that I really, really liked. I thought he was a really good player. Mm-hmm. Not only do they get him in round six, they get Prince de Alonogo. Prince came into this with essentially, yep. we've got tape, we've got nothing else. And maybe there's you know some questions about his knee. If, if, uh, there's got to be questions about his knee because his tape certainly was good enough to go well before round six. You mm-hmm. look at the fact that they added you know, Jalen Rager, who is just a guy who blows it off the top. They have Deshaun Jackson. Again, Deshaun Jackson not playing in a ton of games anymore. So you get a guy to maybe fill that role. Made the move for Goodwin, another guy to fill that role. Yep. Uh, the you know, high talent. They got out of Temple. is a guy that can just throw another linebacker. With yep. speed. They need a linebacker. They got guys there. Where's Watkins out of, uh, you know, uh, 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 where's Watkins? Southern Mississippi, sorry. Yep. Um, solid receiver, can't play some slot, can't play some outside here. It, it, once Billy's draft was done, I was like, uh, yeah, all right. Because, I mean, literally, like, they took her to 53, and even if you took pick 53 away, like, you yep. didn't even have it, you looked at the rest of the draft and said, this will work. Yeah. Like, this is what happens. When you get good franchises that know what the heck they're doing, they can do something that probably everybody says, well, I don't know about that. And then you go and look at the overall product, and you're like, eh. Smart games do smart things. Yep, absolutely. And uh, just thinking more on the Jalen Hurts pick itself, you know, are you signaling that perhaps the end of the Carson Wentz era is coming sooner than later? But then there was talk maybe they're going to use like a Taysom Hill type uh, package for for Hurts, and that that's certainly possible. But it's it there at least they have a good solid backup now behind Wentz in the case that he does get injured, which. Unfortunately for him, seems seems likely every year at some point he's going to get nicked up. Uh, what were a couple of absolute steals in the draft? I know we touched on, on some of these really good picks, but what were a couple of picks that you were just like, wow, the value for this guy, this team got an absolute steal and a gem? Um, one for me was the Browns with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, normally when you get an athlete of that caliber, in the sixth round, he went to Southwestern, well, Southwestern Missouri Mining School, and nobody knows of the guy. Yeah. You know, nobody's ever heard of it. Um, look, if you want any more of a reason why Donovan People Jones went in round six, it's the fact that Shea Patterson still isn't on an NFL roster. 336 kids went to the NFL Combine. There is one guy who doesn't have any type of job in the NFL right now. That guy... Shea Patterson. So that kind of tells you there. So yep. the Browns get... The, the, he is the most athletic wide receiver on this Browns roster. They have Odell Beckham Jr. So that kind of tells you something about the guy they got here in round six. Mm-hmm. And he can kind of just ease into the situation. I love, love the pick uh, you know, of uh, Prince Day Winogo for the Eagles. I, I, you know, I think he's going to be a starter in this league. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a starting left tackle in this league. Just a really, really, really... Just a, a, a really just smart, smart move that they were able to get there. And a player that you know, had fantastic tape. He's kind of young to the game, obviously, you know, coming from you know, overseas, coming to America, getting his life started here. That was one I really, really liked. Um, it, it's, it, always, it kills me to say this because every year in covering this AFC North, I do all this draft work, and then we sit down on draft weekend, mm-hmm. and I watch the Cincinnati Bengals, I watch the Baltimore Ravens, and I watch the Pittsburgh Steelers. Take a whole bunch of my guys. Yep. This year, Pittsburgh did it again twice. Running back Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. Anthony McFarland is a home run hitter. This guy, not in 19 and 18, 
almost single-handedly beat Ohio State by himself. Ran for about 270 yards. Ohio State had him win this game in the last minute and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It was all just because of Anthony McFarland. So a home run hitter there. Then they came back a little bit later out uh, Maryland, Antoine Brooks Jr. This is a guy I really like. 6'2", 220, only runs a 4'6". But he's a guy you want in eight yards to the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that's going to come up. He's going to knock his teeth out. He's a great, great player. It's going to cover up for the fact that they, they, they drafted the other Edmonds brother, which was a terrible pick a couple of years ago. This pick will go ahead and take care of that. You're going to put him with Mickey Fitzpatrick, who is such a hybrid at the safety position, mm-hmm. can do everything you ask of him. And now you've got this true box guy that will be there and want support, will be there to cover a back out, will be there to take care of the tight end player, so to speak. Those are two great picks Pittsburgh made on day three. I hope it doesn't help them, though, long-term here. I, I want to see the Browns get it. No, get see, no, the problem <laughs> with Pittsburgh, and this is what happened, is, and now it's come out, is, look, you don't know what you have in Ben. All right, look, Phillip Rivers is no longer a charger. Eli has retired. And of the three of them, nobody's been more hurt than Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. Um, and you know, now, oh, well, they think Mason Rudolph's eventually going to be there, too. Really? Because he, he couldn't even handle the job last year. He had to play some guys stinking named Duck Hodges, for God's sake. Nope. The problem with Pittsburgh is, it, and they were, and they say this today, oh, we really think, you know, that uh, you know Mason Rudolph is the future. Really? Because you were just trying to sign Jameis Winston, who told you no to go to the New Orleans Saints. So, like, I ain't buying it. The problem with Pittsburgh is is you have such, such a short shelf life at the quarterback position. And Juju is due for a deal. You don't know where you are with Juju. And, look, Pittsburgh is always kind of cheap. Yep. And they kind of let some guys walk that shouldn't. And, you know, Juju's year last year could be, you know, the target. So he's either, A, going to play his way out of what they're willing to pay him, or we'll just move on because they're cheap. Final question I have for you. Had you ever heard of Justin Warwazer, the kicker from Marshall that the Patriots took in the fifth round? I, we talk about this every year. I don't care about specialists. Look, they're integral. My, my thing is, look, that two times a year, one time a year, when you got to make a 47-yarder when it counts, yep. you better make it. Um, yeah, uh, look, I, I don't care. It was homework maybe not done and it's certainly here? possible here, but you bring something like this into your locker room, and how do you justify this to some people here? Yep. Um, look, it, it's, it, it's a tough pill to swallow, and oh, I'm gonna have the tattoos removed. Well, what led you to getting the tattoo put on your body to begin with? But mm-hmm. that's the problem I have. Um, and look, I do understand that Bill Belichick could be the guy, I don't give a crap, is he going to hit the field goal from 60 yards or not? But sometimes, you know, you need for locker room harmony. Yep. And it's going to be different this year in New England. Look, there ain't no quarterback here right now yet that you can say, oh, this is going to be the guy. You're moving away from 20 years of Tom Brady and basically this team ran through Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and everybody else got in line. Um, it could be a lot different this year because there is no – you don't have the star. You don't have the, and, you know, the Jets got better. Miami got better. Buffalo, I'll tell you right now, Buffalo should have won. In my opinion, Buffalo should have won both games against New England last year. Yep. Even with, you know, Josh Allen still finding his way as a player here. Yep. It, it was, for me, it was something New England just 
didn't need to do? Is it A, Bill just saying, I don't care, the kid can kick, or was it B, they didn't do enough homework here? Either way, it's going to rub some guys in that locker room the wrong way, and kickers' lives are hard enough as it is to begin with. And this kid, you know, probably didn't realize what he put on himself, maybe didn't realize at the time that maybe one day he was literally going to be an NFL draft, whatever the situation may be. Mm-hmm. That's one that, you know, he, he, look, he, you know, he may show up to camp, miss two kicks, and, you know, Bill will say, well, get the hell out of here. I don't know what the hell I wish the pick on you for it. But this, that, that could be something rocky, something to monitor as some time goes by. I think Nike made that pick. I don't think Bill made that pick. I think Nike, his dog made that pick. <laughs> or either that or he just said, you know what, give me a kicker. Yeah. Somebody uh, just somebody say click on whatever kicker's on the top of my list. I'm going to go outside. Somebody get me a kicker. Should have taken and without maybe knowing the facts there. But yeah, it's you know. And the other thing is, you know, like I mean, the world's a tough enough place as it is right now. Yep. And you know, putting yourself out there and making yourself a target, it's maybe not in the best interest. You know, everybody's got beliefs, and look, maybe there's some beliefs people realize that are smart enough to maybe just keep to yourself. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it should have taken Chase Vinatieri instead. I'm a little, little hurt that he's not on at least a roster. But that's the way it goes. Jeff, I appreciate all the time that you've given me you know, over the last few weeks and, of course, over the last few months and, and years when we've been doing this. Always enjoy talking with you. I hope uh, we'll, we'll chat again soon in the fall regarding college football starting and specialists going. But uh, you know what? To just stay safe, uh, be healthy, be well. Uh, hopefully we get back to a sense of normalcy here uh, sooner rather than later, and you can enjoy your summer. But uh, always appreciate the time, my friend, and we'll we'll chat soon. Uh, Nathan, nothing but the best. Um, you know, it's been fun doing this over the years here, and you know, now we can go back years back and kind of see where some things you know have been triggered, how they had you know they played out here, and you know still some of these same franchises. Oh, we'd really like to see you guys get off the table and get back in the game, that type of thing here. Yep. Um, but a blast, you know, uh, you and your wife, you saw, and I, I wish you guys the best, you know, stay safe. Um, and again, you know, hopefully, you know, we all can get back to, you know, some shorts, some flip-flops, some t-shirts, as the weather's getting nicer here, and, you know, everybody just get out and enjoy life again. Absolutely. Well said. Thanks, Jeff. Be well, be well. Uh, hopefully your family is well, and uh, take care, and we'll talk soon. You know that, sir. All right. Thanks, Jeff. The great Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast. <laughs> I, I so enjoy looking forward to talking with him all, you know, during the draft process. It's it's just great. You get great insight from him. You get that passion. It's it's something else. So a lot to unpack there. Just 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 think about all those teams, all those drafts, and you know what? Again. Number of different ways you can go with the NFL draft, uh, whether that be with, like I say, I think the Broncos and the Raiders said, you know what, we can't beat the Chiefs in turn. We can't stop the Chiefs. We're going to have to replicate what they do. Okay. Um, the Packers, ooh, head scratcher. The more and more now that we sit back and look at the Vikings draft, the more and more I love it. But I love what the Ravens and the Cowboys did. Just, they got the picks that they needed to to help shore their, and again, Dallas has Kansas City offense 2.0. No doubt about it. Uh, we will continue here on the Sports Block podcast. We'll bring Travis Krins in, see if he has any draft thoughts, uh, talk about any other sports news that we need to. And then that's going to be it for at least a week. Maybe we'll come back and do NFL draft or NFL schedule preview and reaction to it. But 
Who knows if that's even going to happen at this point. But this podcast, the Sports Block Podcast, and all episodes of the Sports Block Podcast can be found on podcasts.com. That's podcasts with an S at the end. That's plural. The Brophy's trying to get in. We'll just hold off on that. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Yes, Brophy, I'm coming. Uh, as always, you can follow Jeff Lloyd on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd and Locked On Browns podcast at Locked On Browns. Travis Crins coming up next. What did he think of the draft? Any other thoughts? And we'll get to any other nuggets that we need to, plus any TV shows. I haven't watched any uh, any more Tiger King or Ozark since we last talked, but we'll, we'll see what we find out. We'll get his thoughts on the MJ documentary, The Last Dance. We'll find out what he thinks about that. It's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, now available on podcast.com. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and pleased to be joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? It's been uh, two weeks of great weather. Looks like we're going to have a third next week. It's Weather's been very good for a change. That's good. That's good. Uh, warm temperatures, maybe that'll mean a decrease in coronavirus uh Cases, positive cases, though that um, you know, Minnesota has ramped up testing here in recent days, so the number of positive tests has increased a lot. Uh, cause for concern? No, they say that it's it's okay. People are getting tested, and it, there's hospitalization is not as high as what uh, it could be. So that's great news, and we'll continue to monitor this and the impact on the world of sports uh, because it. Inevitably will, though I did see that uh, the Coca-Cola, is it 500, is going to be ran in Charlotte? 600. 600, I'm sorry, yeah. I thought, on Memorial Day Sunday. No fans will be in attendance, but there will at least be, that's probably going to be our first live sporting event that is truly of any significance. My, oh, yeah, they got a pretty good UFC this week, next week. Like I said, of any significance. No, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty, yeah. they stacked the show pretty well, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, we're open for business here as of yesterday, so. You and uh, Georgia. Well, Georgia was last week, I guess. Yeah, so Mitchell's open, they had some restrictions, but as of yesterday, uh, there we go, so we'll see what happens. Well, stay safe. Uh, I know Major League Baseball is continuing to try and figure out a plan. They're looking for midsummer now. So, are we thinking Fourth of July? And if so, are they going to be in Florida and Texas and Arizona? Where Where do we think baseball is going to end up at, and what's the start date? Yeah, July Fourth would make sense, given the three week spring training. So start, uh, you know early middle portions of June, so it gives you six weeks here until that happens, or yeah, six weeks until they can get going here. Uh, they come up with that. Well, there's a lot of ideas out there. I don't know which ones are serious or not. That three-division, ten-team thing, which I'm not in favor of. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just, just play games. No fans, literally fans, whatever. Just play at your home stadiums. Um, Hunter, what I've come up with is a 106-game season with the because we had to figure out, you know, which games. You play your division teams ten times. You play everybody else in your league six times. 
and then you play your uh, even your your one interleague rival. You play them six times as, as well. So mm-hmm. you would be home and away every team: Yankees, Boston, Tampa, Texas, Oakland, down the line. They come to your place once. You go to their place once. And, uh, you know, five games at uh, Kansas City, and then Kansas City comes to Minnesota five times. So, um, you had 106 games there. You didn't really play, so that, you, know, you need that to uh, figure that out. So, 106 games played out. And you don't need to go to Florida. You don't need to go to Arizona. Just go to your own ballpark. Be okay with that, and hopefully fans can at some point come back to the games. We don't know if that'll be in 2020 or not. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the the lead expert when it comes to the coronavirus in the U.S., or the, the person we should all be listening to, uh, he says that there won't be any fans unless testing ramps up, which it, it, it boggles my mind that we've been talking about this now for the better part of two months and they still haven't been able to figure out a way of testing more i mean the, the south korea and spain and italy have found ways to do the tests uh you know ramp up testing measures i don't see why the u.s is constantly lagging behind in that it, it seems like I don't it know why. well it would seem though you know it would be fairly just just ramp up the testing just do it you just figure it out there's far more in, there's far more to it than both you know you and I probably know but it, it seems like it's a, it's fairly simple i don't know why it's taking so long but we know why we just don't know the why how long does it take to make a test that's what i don't know and i'll yeah, it's twenty-four to forty-eight hours. So that—that's at least that's what's going on here in Minnesota. So, again, I don't know how how much does it take to make a test. I don't understand why. You know, this is what happens when you have incompetent people running the show. I mean, what what are the odds? The worst one we've ever had in one of the worst situations we've had. Just the perfect storm. Of a mess, and It's kind of like how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? No one really knows. This could be three, so how long does it take? Who knows? We just had the NFL draft this week, past weekend, and it was, uh, it was very refreshing. It was awesome to have some actual sports content on that was live and of significance. Uh, no offense to the E-Leagues that are going on around there, but, uh, Overall, I thought the draft went very, very well. Uh, we'll get to the overall picks here and, and the winners and stuff in a in a moment. But from the television side of things to Roger Goodell announcing the picks, you know the twenty twenty uh, draft announcement for Vegas when he should have said twenty twenty two. That aside, it was cool to see him in his own home and you know comfortable and. Tired and you know giving picks in his lounge chair like he didn't care and didn't want to be there. Uh, to seeing the GMs and coaches in their own home environments and uh, seeing the families and stuff and the kids cheering for the picks. It just it was a, I thought it was really cool. Um, I had my reservations on what might happen, but overall I thought it was a, a the draft went along splendidly for three days. It was fine. Nothing happened. It's easy to do, I would suppose. Can't be that difficult. 
And you said last week. We're going to go back to having a half million people at where where we're going to be at. Cleveland, April 29th through May 1st. Yeah, yeah, that's dumb. This is is way better. I I thought it was cool. I liked seeing Mike Zimmer's, uh, you know, his ranch. I wonder if he killed all those animals himself. Uh, I would imagine he did. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury looks like he is... Uh, a super villain or a superhero uh, and that's his lair out there in Arizona so heck even a Lego piece uh, or a Lego set was made of his uh, man cave but then we go to the draft itself and there's one pick that is getting so much more attention than the rest and rightfully so for both the good and the bad and that is the Green Bay Packers Moving up, not just you know, not just selecting Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State, but moving up to get him four spots from thirty to twenty-six, and it cost them a fourth-round pick. At which, whether or not they would have used that fourth-round pick on a wide receiver, who knows? They didn't take a wide receiver the entire draft, the deepest wide receiver class in in draft history, and Green Bay chose not to take one. But the, the pick of love itself I find very curious. Uh, Thursday night I was I was bummed out about it because if even a slight comparison to Patrick Mahomes makes me think that this guy could do some damage. Even if he's a fourth of what Mahomes is, that's still better than probably at least half the of the quarterbacks in this league, if not more. He gets the learn behind Aaron Rodgers. So be just that Thursday night, that pick, I was like, oh, man, you know, that doesn't help Green Bay now, but this could bode really well for them in the future. There's a guy every draft, and Jordan loves my guy, who I think is just going to be absolute tear, absolute dog shit. Usually it comes true more times than not. Blake Models, Jake Locker, Trubisky, Ponder, go down the line or just Wyoming just terrible quarterbacks <laughs> that are picked high and this is just another guy all those guys have something in common they can't complete passes their, their completion percentage are bad you need to you need to throw the ball to the receivers if you can't do that then, then you can't be a quarterback and but doesn't the new coaching staff and the new wide receivers that he had this year doesn't that can't you factor that in at all to the drop in uh, percentage that he had this year? Joe Burrow had new coaching staff; he had the greatest season there's ever been. Fair, fair enough. Like I, I don't, I mean, how are you that bad against uh, Mountain West? People have so like he can't handle a new coach or he can't lose talent. Know what's going to happen in the NFL? Like he just can't complete passes. I saw some highlights. They were terrible. They were just awful. So I don't know how you regress. And I don't know what, what it's going to take people to realize just because a guy's tall and can throw it far, that that means anything. When to me, it doesn't mean anything. I just I just don't get it. Like, how many times do we have to pick a guy? How many times do guys, do six, five guys have to fail before? Like, yeah, maybe let's uh, pick those guys. I don't get it. And the Packers, I mean, just laughable. It, it, just it, a joke. It, it's one of those things where, you know, they're the your rivals, you the hated rivals. You hate them. You hate everything about them. And you, 
as for a Vikings fan, it's like, okay, I mean, everything good happens to the Packers. They're going to do just fine. But this was the one draft where the Vikings did just about everything right that they could. Like, they hit home runs on almost all of their picks, or they, they made sense for what the team needed. And the Packers didn't do absolutely anything apart from a couple of offensive line lineman picks that would sig- signal to you that they are serious contenders to get back to the NFC Championship game or get to the Super Bowl. Like, they... This team was 13 and 3 last year and in the in, in the NFC Championship game. And they now don't even look like a team that might even be good enough to I shouldn't say win the division, but they don't they aren't a team that improved at all whatsoever to get over that NFC Championship game hump in my estimation and I think in the minds of many. And the receivers, who they didn't pick any of them. No. Ever any. They picked, what, they maybe picked a tight end? They picked a tight end who's known for his blocking. You had, the, like, the be- arguably the best tight end in the draft outside of Cole Komet in Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. Like, he, he's, he's great, and he was right there for the Packers, and they took some guy out of Cincinnati. Like, come on. Like, this is, and they picked the Boston College running back who was really good, but... Like, some people didn't even have them ranked on their running backs list, their top 25. Yeah. Probably could have picked him in the sixth round. It's And you already have two really good running backs, so why are you using a second-round pick on a, on a running back who is not going to see the field all that much? And they've got running backs. It's like, don't spend draft picks on running backs. Don't pick high ones on running backs if you don't need it. It's, it's, I don't know. It, uh, I heard their GM or somebody said, yeah, we didn't like the receivers that were available. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? How can you not? <laughs> and then to trade up, and Erdogan traded ahead of the Vikings, too, and the Vikings said, get, get bent. <laughs> they didn't need to trade up. They could have gotten him in the second round. So nobody's going to take fucking Jordan Love. Yeah. Who's going to take him? Nobody. Well, we had, we had him going 24 to the Saints. It, yeah. For, and they, obviously, they signed a blind man Winston, rapist Winston, <laughs> crab like Winston. He got, what, he got a million dollars? How does he only get a million dollars? Yep. Yeah. A million dollars to be yeah. probably the best backup quarterback in the league? I mean, how did the Saints do that again? Like, A.J. McCarron gets $4 million. Seems like the it seems like if you don't play, like the better you are. Nathan Peterman, I bet, makes more than Jameis Winston is going to make this year. I bet uh, Sean uh, is it Sean Mannion or Shane Mannion, the the Vikings backup sure, quarterback. Every quarterback, every quarterback, first and second string makes more than he does. Yeah, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Who's New England going to get? Cam Newton? They just got to spend the whole season. So yep, we're uh, not going to be competitive. They apparently like Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback from Auburn, and they have Brian Hoyer to back him up. I don't know. Like this is straight forward. You told me for six because he's sure they'll hang up late. Yeah, straight for him. Yeah, and uh, Jacob Eason went to the Indianapolis Colts in the later rounds. J- uh, you know, from Jake Fromm from State Farm and Georgia went to Buffalo. That that mix doesn't seem to really go all that well. well. Right. By all rights, a terrible quarterback. 
They were like, oh, why is he? Where did he go? Fourth round? Fifth round? Fifth round, I think, to Buffalo. Like, oh, he slipped it. Like, he's not any good. I wouldn't waste my time with him. I wouldn't have mind the Vikings picking him up in the fifth no. round, but it seems like they got a pretty darn good quarterback in the seventh round in Nate Stanley from Iowa. Yeah, may as well pick a guy. They had a lot of picks. I didn't. Nobody thought they were going to use all of them, but they pretty much did use all of them. And they need some of these to work because of their drafts the last few years. I mean, they, they've not been good. They have a history of picking pretty good guys. You look at the last four years, maybe three years. Look at the last three years. It's not been good. Treadwell, no. Yeah, Treadwell was bad. Kenzie Alexander, no. I. You know, I don't... I mean, he, he clearly got money elsewhere in Cincinnati. Trey Wayne's got money elsewhere in Cincinnati. Well, he got like $4 million maybe. I mean, they were not... To, Trey was three years, $42 million. So, I mean, that's... That's well, you can have. sizable. He was, he was before that. He was before that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Delvin Cook's been by far their best. Ben Elfline, all right... Uh, Garrett Bradbury, I think, could can do some stuff. I, I, Brian O'Neill, Brian O'Neill's great. Mike Hughes, we'll see. Brian O'Neill. There's not. I mean, Delvin Cook's the best for the past three years. I don't know who'd be number two. Probably uh, Madison. Yeah. The second pick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, they, 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 they have not hit on any of these. Late rounders, like that. I guess uh, Adenabo is he going to get a chance this year? I guess I, I would. Know. I would imagine so. I thought. I, I. I know we don't like the Baylor program, but James Lynch is an absolute beast. Uh, and I, I mentioned this to 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 Jeff Lloyd a little while ago, but he reminds me a lot of Chris Hovan. I think he's going to be great fit for this Vikings defensive line. If they can get four guys out of this that's worth a damn, that'd be nice. Oh, they will. <laughs> they will. I... I mean, I... Hopefully the receiver's good. That's who we wanted. We got our guy. That's nice. I think K.J. Osborne is a is kind of a wild card and a sleeper in... Uh, yeah, I think you'll ever... If out of Miami, I think the I think the Oregon oh. linebacker uh, is uh, die is is very good pick up there. Like these guys will contribute on special teams right away. Uh, James Lynch won't. He'll be he'll be in that defensive line rotation. But the first round of the draft for the Vikings could not have gone any better for them. They got your favorite wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, without having to trade up. Like, what Philadelphia is sitting right there at 21, I'm like, okay, crap. They're going to take Jefferson. Now we have to think of something else. And they take Rager from TCU. It's like, okay, by all means. Thank you. Thank you. And then to trade, to be able to trade back with the 49ers from 25 to 31 and still get Jeff Gladney from TCU, who is – I, I can understand, like, the Utah, the, the Jalen Johnson, that, that he might have been a good fit in Mike Zimmer's scheme. But Jeff Gladney, I think, is the prototypical uh, Mike Zimmer quarter, cornerback. I think he's going to do very well. Yeah, from Mississippi State, I heard, saw, you know, he's, he's uh, lighter. And one guy said if he was 15 pounds heavier, he'd be my second uh, corner in the draft. 
Well, if that's the case, yeah, if I'm picking that guy, I don't care how big he is, he's going to add muscle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean and uh, as for Cleveland, they, somehow he dropped at damn near 16. <laughs> they didn't have to trade up for him. That's the best part. No, I mean, they got everybody assumed that they wanted here in the top of the draft. So if they, you know, top four guys, if three of them or even two of them are good, that's good. If you can get one of these other guys in the bottom of this draft to, to hit, you got three guys. Maybe four, if you get 25%, I think that's, that's doing pretty good. Yep. Uh, you know, Ezra Cleveland falling to the Vikings, there were some people that thought maybe he'd be a late first-round pick. I think I saw him going as high as 18 to the Dolphins. And for the Vikings to not have to trade up to get him is fantastic because now between him and Brian O'Neill, if they can, inc- if O'Neill, who's a very solid right tackle right now anyway, if he can keep uh, going up, you know, trending upwards like I think he can. And Ezra Cleveland seems to be like one of the best tackles in this draft. Top six or seven. I think that bodes really well for the Vikings offensive line, at least on the ends. And you know what? I I wanted Antoine Winfield Jr. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I wanted Tyler Johnson. I wanted them to get both of them. And so that was difficult to see the Vikings a not trade up to get Winfield Jr. because you knew it was happening at some point here, uh, and it was a little difficult to see Tyler Johnson not go. But when you look at the the draft in totality, the Vikings needed depth in the secondary. They got that. They needed depth on the defensive line. They got that. They needed some wide receivers. They got a couple of them. They needed. I, I mean, I'm. I'm more upset about Tyler Johnson because they needed a receiver. Yep. And they had a ton of picks, and there was no reason why they couldn't have gotten him yep. or traded up to get him. I think they're both going to do great in Tampa Bay. Yep. But it would be nice to get Winfield. I think he's going to be great. Yep. But obviously, safety's not a need, and they needed, uh, they needed an offensive lineman. So I, I'm okay with that. I know. Oh, sorry, go ahead. But, I mean, not taking Tyler Johnson in the like, fifth, like, fifth round, I mean, that's ridiculous. I couldn't. I, I could see. You know, not many people were going to want to cheer for the Buccaneers because of Tom Brady and you know, Gronk being there and just being that it flair. Like we're just done with that. Yeah. But now I feel like Minnesota fans are going to be cheering for Tampa Bay a lot after the Vikings are not in the playoffs or after their season's done because they're going to want to cheer for Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tyler Johnson. There is that since there is that Minnesota connection now, they're a team that I think a lot of people in in the state are going to start pulling for. I've never pulled for the Lions because they've had center. I've never pulled for the Eagles. They've got Goddard. I've never pulled for the Colts or the Patriots because they have a Terry. I don't care who where they went to school. Once they're out of there, like, I don't care about Poop on Let's see. Jalen Hurts goes to the Eagles, so that that to me signals that uh, the. I mean, he's going to be. A, he's a great backup quarterback to have. Uh, I think he can do some really good things at the next level here. But it, I think they're kind of saying like, "Hey Carson, time's running out, buddy. You better stay healthy. Uh, when you're healthy, you're good. But you can't stay healthy, and we need someone that we can rely on." And that's what I think this pick signals more than anything with the Eagles. They couldn't keep Foles because he cost too much and he's not any good anyway without... Yeah, apparently he can't be any good if he's not with the Eagles. So, 
Yeah, I was a surprise too. Team Max. Didn't only need a backup quarterback, but uh, he always gets hurt late in the year. It's never early in the year, it's always late. I thought a lot of teams did really well. They, they weren't teams that I thought did terrible outside of Green Bay. I thought, a, I thought a lot of teams did very well for, for their drafts. Cleveland did well. Cincinnati did well. I like Denver just supplying Drew Locke. If he, I, I'm still hesitant to say that Drew Locke is the quarterback of the future for the Broncos, but they are going to give him every chance to uh, succeed with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, like they have a lot of weapons. And I made this remark to, to Jeff earlier that I think the the Broncos and the Raiders specifically in the AFC West were like, we're not going to stop the Chiefs. We need to match their output. We need to try and just score as much as they, they do. We're, we got to outscore them. And so what better way to do that than supply or you know, surround yourself with weapons like, you know, Vegas got Henry Ruggs III, who's the fastest wide receiver in the draft. So I, I just look at what those two teams did in particular. Like, they know they aren't going to stop Kansas City. You got to try and outscore them. Just playing in the playoffs at all, many can probably stop them. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lamb drops. Cowboys picked him again, a team that doesn't need any more receivers, but you picked him, so Oklahoma receivers usually are not good. Kansas City. They're the Kansas City of the NFC. Yeah, they're not. Nobody's Kansas City. You don't think, though, with Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Gallup and now CeeDee Lamb along with Dak Prescott, and we'll see what Blake Jarwin can do, that they don't have the means of being able to put up 30, 34, 35, 38 points a game? I don't know if CeeDee Lamb's going to be any good. You don't think CeeDee Lamb's going to be that good? I don't know. I mean, my, I, I, just, I don't know about any of these guys. I don't know. Okay. He's in a pretty good situation, though, so it's good for him. Yep. So, Baltimore, another uh, stunningly awesome draft. They they do it year in and year out. And I think some of it is luck, you know, for players to fall to you. Like, how does Jay – didn't we talk last week? Didn't you say that you like J.K. Dobbins maybe the most out of any running back in the draft? Yeah, I like what the Ravens did. I mean, uh, there's a reason why teams are always good, and Baltimore's pretty much always good. Well, I mean, they took Lamar Jackson. He's pretty good. Yep. I took J.K. Dobbins. I think he'll be good. Oh, like uh, Kansas City didn't need a running back, but I like the guy they took. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, he's going to be fantastic because everybody's fantastic in Kansas City. So. And Andy Reid said it reminds him of Brian Westbrook. And we know how good Brian Westbrook was for the Eagles. Any other thoughts on the draft? My thoughts? Yeah, any other thoughts? I thought, uh, yeah, I watched more of it than I have in years. Good. Uh, I don't know, but Vikings were there, and I mean, that Packers pick was just a stunner. Just a stunner. And we did pretty good on our mock drafts. I didn't do too high. Everybody else did pretty good. So, Bengals got quarterback. We got T. Higgins, people like that. Panthers did the you know, seven defensive players. So that's, that's fine with me. I mean, they're, they were bad. 
So, uh, never, I don't know, uh, sure if that's out of the ball. Never before in the NFL draft had a team taken all players from one position, or one side of the ball, I should say, not position, one side of the ball with at least seven picks until the Panthers did it this year. And the Vikings selected more players, 15, than ever has been taken in the seven rounds of the NFL draft. So... honest I wasn't particularly enthusiastic or like taken aback or I don't know what the right word is I yes their their picks were fine outside of Tua but like Austin Jackson's a project uh he's got a little bit before he can start um I mean the Igbenogany the I said that right too, by the way. Noah Igbenogany from Auburn. Yeah, you would have. So how the hell do there, I would, how the hell I do I get that name right? And I can't get some of these other names right. It's, it's beyond me. Um, but they get him in the first round. Like his parents are Olympians and stuff. That's fine and everything. I just the Dolphins I thought could have done so much more. They helped themselves a lot, but I thought they could have gone. A few different directions at different times and really help themselves even more outside of the Tua pick. The Bears are not good, anyways. They, and they didn't. They had two second round picks and they picked a tight end, which is which is not necessary. They have ten now on their roster. Ten tight but ends. What sense does that make? None. Goddamn sense. Does that make? Doesn't make any. No. And then there was this doofus from Notre Dame. Great. We need another tight end. Shit. Like, we need another tight end like we need another fucking Republican in the White House. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Good Lord. And then, and then they didn't have uh, they picked Jalen Johnson. And then they have a pick and double sets pick. They have 105 picks between picks. Is that, is that not a record of some sort? 105 selections between picks. Got to be some sort of a, a record. Of yeah. Something. I mean, geez. Well, I mean, I mean the, the Saints traded four picks to the Vikings. It was all four of their picks on Saturday, and then they then they ended up trading back into the seventh round to take uh, the quarterback uh, Stevens out of Mississippi Steve? State. They had four draft like, picks. You know, if you want the Vikings to trade up and all that, but when the Saints give you that offer, like. Okay, sure. Yeah. We'll drop back 20 spots for four picks to pick some tight end. Yeah. Sure, we'll do that. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I would have liked to see the Vikings get a little more capital for next year, but they did pick up a a fourth rounder from, uh, uh, who was it? I think that. The Saints, Bears or or the, the Bears, or they, they picked up a fourth rounder. Maybe it was from the Ravens. They picked up a sixth, uh, a fifth, or a sixth rounder next year as well. And then it looks like they're going to get a third rounder uh, for in the compensatory picks as well as a sixth. So they're going to have 
enough uh, ammunition next year to be able to move around and get some guys that they need to if they if that is the case if they have to um, if there are some guys that they really want that they need to jump up for so they have those extra draft picks I would have liked to see them turn some of their day three picks into more picks for next year or even some of those Saints picks uh, that they got but if they turned around a couple for next year, that's okay with me. The, uh, you, you can be, well, they have four seventh round picks, which is dumb. Yep. Uh, but you, you can basically trade a seventh rounder this year for like a sixth rounder next year, right? Yes, it's essentially you're trading up a round. You generally you can trade a sixth rounder for a fifth rounder next year, right? Yep. Essentially. Yep. Why would you not? This is my master plan. Why would you not turn those four seventh-round picks into as close as you can get to four first-round picks like six years from now? Make this be the big master whatever the hell. Trade them all for six-round picks next year. Mm. Then trade those six-rounders next year for fifth-rounders. And then the fifths for the fourths. Okay, I got. I and like where you're going with this. Keep going. You're probably not going to get all first round picks. You probably get all third rounders at the very least, if not second round picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, these seventh rounders aren't going to amount to uh, a damn thing. Make it. And hey, BC you know, Johnson was a seventh pick. round pick last year. You don't know that for sure. Who? BC Who? Johnson, the wide receiver from Colorado State. Who? Yeah, B.C. Johnson, he sucks. He's terrible. <laughs> like, move up. Move all this stuff up. That's my big master plan. I move like up it. and see if you can get, like, four second-round picks. Just load up. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know if you would get anyone to go along with it, but you like, could... How has nobody come up with that? Like, or... Trade these seven four six. All right, sure. Nobody's gonna bat an eye at that. Next year, six for fifth. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, just keep doing it. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Every you know, there's always trades. I mean, just play the long game. See what happens. You have to make sure though that you're around for seven, six or seven years as the GM and coach. You may not for that. So. That is something to certainly consider. But all in all, it was a very good... Yeah, sorry. And if you're not, you can use them for fourth-rounders. And you got a bunch of fourth-round picks. You can get yeah. some guys... Or you can trade up in the draft in that year and uh, make, make an impact. Do something with these. And these seventh-rounders are a waste of my time. Uh, all in all, it was a very good NFL draft. It was, like I said, cool to see inside the coaches and GMs' homes. Um, the ratings were awesome. Uh, there will never be an NFL draft with ratings as good as what this draft had uh, unless there's another uh, virus that's about to ki- wipe us all off the face of the planet and we are forced to be inside again with no sports for uh, for a month, month and a half. So, you could tell which coaches had money and which which ones didn't. Yeah, like, yeah, like Zach Taylor. Uh, I believe I believe Cliff Kingsbury has a lot of money. I think so too. 
I think so too. Um, again, Zach Taylor doesn't it, have much. No, it looked like he was at your or my kitchen table. But <laughs> all right, this is a guy that's what is it? Is in the second year? This is the second year. Yes, second year. And like, yeah, he should rent. Don't buy. Who knows how, how long he's gonna be around. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't look like he has a lot of money either. That's probably his. Uh, oh, he has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. Yeah, but the, but where he was drafting from, it didn't look like it looked very or, yeah, like a very like a, ordinary kitchen. He looks like a homeless man uh, on the sidelines every day. So turns worth fifty million dollars. That kicker pick. Dog. Yeah, Nike. Him and the dog were good. Like seeing the dog, uh, Mike Rabel, I don't know what the fuck that was. That was <laughs> very odd. Not a clue what that is. Those were his kids, and their kid and his kids yeah. did that. They were his kids. Horrible. They were his kids, from what I've been told. Or they just from do that. I, I mean, what does one kid look like a child in the last year? I don't know when that. <laughs> he did that the day of. That was very weird. So, yeah, it was, that was entertaining. I miss, like, uh, I don't know, a gorilla or a monkey or a zebra from the San Diego Zoo making a pick. I miss that part of it. I didn't miss uh, any of the other shitty picks, but I just missed an animal making a pick. Well, there was a shitty pick by the Patriots. They took a kicker from Marshall that ESPN didn't have any video coverage or, like, video Uh, highlights of. And it turns out this guy's got a a tattoo for, like, a militia group from the alt-right. You didn't hear about this? Yeah, he's a racist or whatever. So. Yeah, so that's could have had Chase Vinatieri. That's all I'm saying. Um, do you think Chris? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he, FDSC had what three guys go somewhere. Yep. Do you think Christian Roseboom's got a decent chance in LA? No. Okay. I never think anybody's got a good chance. Okay. Mikey Danny went to the uh, Falcons, and some other guy went somewhere else. Luke Sellers went to the Lions, I believe. Fullback. Uh, oh. And we'll see what happens. I'm sure we could go back to last year's list, but I'm sure we always... You know, what do you think is going to happen next year? I don't know what we said. I'm sure we said Justin Herbert or Tua. Nobody said Joe Burrow, obviously, last year. Nope. Everybody's got Trevor Lawrence going like Jacksonville next year. Yep. Fields from uh, Ohio State. Justin Fields, number two. I could see him going, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence did not play as good last year in his first, like his first half of the season. It's just wretched. Mm-hmm. Not good. I mean, they, nobody had to pay attention to Clemson because they played nobody. Right. And he, didn't, he just didn't play that good. For yep. whatever reason. Um... I have seen, uh, what, Jamie Newman, mm. the uh, yep. Wake Forest transfer to Georgia. Yep. He, uh, be uh, mentioned. I think you mentioned uh, Tanner Morgan last week, didn't you? Yeah, we'll see what happens with him if he comes out. Or I love him. He might be a guy that stays the full, the full time. That'd be nice. I'd be and, okay with uh, that. The receiver for the Gophers, I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. Yep, Rashad Bateman. So uh, I've seen the Iowa State quarterback, Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. be a first-rounder. I do like him. That'd be a pretty darn good pick. <laughs> oh, boy. That's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, uh, and I saw one on who the hell else I see. Maybe one other dude. 
sure there'll be people that we don't even know of that'll be there, but those are kind of your top four or five. And then you always look at teams. I mean, Jacksonville needs a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina might need a guy. Depending Oakland. on how Teddy does. Yeah, Oakland. Or, no, no, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Ah, it's going to be a while, folks. <laughs> uh, the Bears. I mean, this is it for Frank. The Bears. The Bears have got it. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, Detroit maybe is is going to be in the market for a QB. Yeah, I would have picked two if I was Detroit. I mean, how do you pass that up? I mean, if I was Detroit, I would have said, I'm taking two of He's sitting here and, you know, hopefully he sits here. I mean, there's really no reason for Miami to play him. We're not doing anything this year. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I don't I don't think they should play him, I think. Sam, uh, now what do you do with Josh Rosen? I guess he's on the team and Fitzpatrick riding back. Yep. So, I mean, Rosen, he doesn't have any value, I would assume, now. I feel bad for him. He has been put in a lot of, uh, in some crappy situations early on in his career that he really, through no fault of his own. Yeah, it hasn't worked out. And I just, I guess, um, what the Packers did, I was surprised at how often it has happened. Uh, Besides, you know, taking a quarterback when your current quarterback is still around and you're not expecting him to retire soon. Obviously, the Packers did this 15 years ago with the Brett Favre, and he stuck around for a while yet. Yep. Patriots Um, did it last year, or a few years back with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep, and they never saw that. But they turned him into a Uh, second-round pick, so that's good for them. uh, 49ers had Steve Young in 97, he was 36, and they drafted uh, Jim Drunkenmiller out of your Virginia Tech team mm-hmm. um, in 97. Uh, Tommy Maddox went to the Broncos in 92. Um, you know, John Elway would play another five years, and Tommy Maddox really wouldn't do anything. So, uh, Phil Sims, he was 36 years old, the uh, Giants had the ninth pick in the draft. Dave Brown, he sucks. Eli, a lot of examples. Yeah. Kurt yeah, Warner I mean, was at the end of his career done. with the Giants when Eli Manning uh, got drafted. Who was this? Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner. Yeah. A lot of examples of guys. I guess the uh, Steelers picked some guy. Um... You know, they picked Mark Malone in 1980. And he wasn't any good. This was like coming off of the Super Bowl, though, with uh, Jerry Bradshaw. Like 1979-1980. Doesn't Mark Malone look like Tom Selleck? Oh, yes. 100%. Yep. 100%. Yep. So, this has happened before. But, yeah, if I'm the Packers, I'm, I'm going trying to win a Super Bowl here. And if I guess if you really like Jordan Love, you, you pick him. Maybe it'll work out. But I saw the stat where like Aaron Rodgers has thrown like one touchdown to a first round pick in his entire career. Yeah. Like Mercedes Lewis and maybe the other quarterbacks. Like they just haven't even tried. They've had good receivers, but they have you know Devontae Adams and Donald Driver and all those suckers, Greg Jennings. 
Javon Walker. They, Jimmy Graham, and he wasn't any good. And they've had guys, but they haven't ever, you know, given him that little extra. The Packers had a chance going into draft into the draft to separate the clearly separate themselves from every other team in the division. The the Vikings and the Bears. I mean, the Lions are a distant fourth, you know, behind them. But they had a chance to really separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Pun intended. Pun unintended. Uh, If anything, they've fallen back, and the Vikings have surged, if not extremely close to them, either even or above them. Like, I'm not trying to be a homer in saying this, but, like, you could not have had a better outcome for the Vikings in terms of narrowing the gap with the Packers and maybe even surpassing them because of what Green Bay didn't do. Like, the Vikings have elevated their team to fill in the holes and help get them back to the playoffs and make a run at the division title. The Packers haven't didn't do anything but retain their division-level status. The division winning level status. That's it. They didn't get it. To, they didn't take it to that next level and say we're going to be among the NFC best or we're going to be uh, like a Super Bowl champion or we won't be among the NFL best. They didn't do that. They have. They fell back to that tier right below and maybe not even that first team like knocking on the door like you would in the English Premier League soccer. Exactly. They lost two linebackers in free agency. Why not pick him? Their second round pick. Where are we going here? Where the hell did he have the second round? AJ yeah, it was AJ Dillon. <laughs> Willie Gay Jr., Kansas City, uh, picked him from Mississippi State. Um, Josh Jones, he fell quite a bit. Yep. He fell in the third round. Yep. There were guys here. Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Denzel Mims, who some folks had going to the Packers in the end of the first, he went three picks before they picked in the second, and mm-hmm. then Christian Fulton from LSU, the cornerback, they went one spot uh, before Green Bay picked in the second round. So. Mm-hmm. And who, who knows if the if the Packers would have even taken Fulton or Mims had they fallen, but. Probably not. Yeah, I, Probably not. Yeah, I would. I would say so as well. They seem to be committed to the run, and I, whatever Green Bay, that's that's fine. Keep 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 on doing what you're doing, and who knows? In four or five years, we could look back at this and say we were all fools, and the Packers knew exactly what they were doing. But it seems like it, it seems very rare when there is overwhelmingly overwhelming doubt and just. Like what the hell are you doing? And that seems to be what the collective draft world is is saying to Green Bay. And I think a lot of Packers fans are are thinking the same thing as well. I like to go back and look at people. Well, I saw I found some on the website. They had a bunch of old drafting with football outsiders that had a bunch of a bunch of old drafts archives and their grades at the time. And mm-hmm. I was going to look at the top of the draft and see how how good they were. And I should look at the I should look at the bottom of the draft. And, and see um, how good their grading was there. So, let's see if I can find this quick. Okay. 
boys to, to pick this year. I get this year, this year, pick a year. 2000, um, starts in 2004. We'll go 20. Do we have any year from there that we can accurately grade a draft? 2014. 2014, listen, this six years ago, we, we can figure out who's been good and bad. It's a football outsider's 2014. Um, they, what, what they do is they just take all, like, the national writers and they're going to average their score out. Mm-hmm. Um, like a GPA, like what, what, like what they did uh, this year with, like, 20 different guys? Uh, uh, the Rams did good. See the Rams picked. Rams were number one. They selected Greg Robinson. Was he good? Going offensive lineman? Uh, not really. No. They got Aaron Donald. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, okay. Right? Yep. Lamarcus Joyner. I don't think has he ever done anything. I don't. He's he's fine. He's probably better than Robinson. And didn't they trade? Did they get some picks? Yeah, they they got Washington's pick for RG three the year before, so they um, got that second pick. Washington should have picked second that year, and they could have gotten Aaron Donald. But uh, I think I think Robinson was the second overall pick, and Aaron Donald was fourteenth. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. or twelve. Saint Louis Rams. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Trey Mason running back, Auburn. I mean, they did. They got one guy out of it. I don't know. I guess that's good. Mm-hmm. You can get like a Hall of Fame guy. I suppose you take that every time. Yep. Uh, they had San Francisco. People like what San Francisco did. What did they do? They had a ton of picks. Jimmy Ward, safety, Northern Illinois. He's good. Eh. Around Carlos Hyde, running back Ohio State. Yep, I think he he's 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 good. I think in given in the right situation, I believe he's with Houston right now. Chris Borland, linebacker, Wisconsin. Uh, no, nope. you know, like if you need like literally three guys from a draft, you're just killing it in a draft. J.J. Watt? No, Watt would have been before then. Let me see. They took Clowney number one. He was fine. He was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of guys. Tom Savage, Alfred Blue, sixth round. They did not have a good draft. People liked their draft at the time. Hey, the Vikings, they're in a, they're in a tie for third. What did the Vikings do in 2014? They had a pretty good draft. They took Teddy Bridgewater... Anthony Barr, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, yeah, I would say that's very, very good. That a good draft. I that's pretty good. Yep. Make the best out of anybody. Also got Antoine Hexum, who played, didn't go do anything. Shamar Stephan, he's uh, played. Yep. And last team here would be Jacksonville. But they got Bottles, who was shit. They got Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee. Ooh, Aaron yeah. Robinson was good. Marquise yep. Lee, not, not so much. Not, not great. 
Kelvin Smith linebacker in the fifth round. Tel- Telvin was very good. Telvin was very good. He retired, uh, I think, last year. But he yeah. was he was a very, very good pick. So, I mean, their grades were okay. Uh, they, they had the Colts in the worst draft, people thought. And the Colts do that here. Colts, what happened to the Colts, Stack? What did, what did, the, what did the Colts do? The hell would they be under? I can't find them. <laughs> do they have any picks? Maybe that's why they sucked. <laughs> they pick anybody. B, A, B, C, I, all right. Well, yeah, they only had fucking five picks. Dante Moncrief, he was their best player that year. Yeah, I did. He, he was okay wide receiver. Yeah, they had five picks, and he was only out of did anything. Well, yeah, they would be correct. They had a terrible draft. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo okay. Bills. Uh, they had Sammy Watkins, who's decent. Yep. Uh, Quanjo, one of the Quanjos from Alabama. Nobody else wrote the darn there. You know, like what Washington did, Washington had a bunch of garbage. I mean, they were pretty accurate that year as far as uh, who, who was good, who wasn't. So, let's see. And in that draft, you would say Aaron Donald was the best player. Oh, without question. Hand, hands down. Hands down. And based on... And based on this, I guess Khalil Mack would be number two. Yes. Yep. Zach Martin, guard for Cowboys. Yeah. He, yep, he's got to be right up there. C.J. Mosley, linebacker for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Then maybe get to Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is the best quarterback, followed by Bottle. This was not a good quarterback draft. No. I mean, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Anthony Barr. Had some guys here, so not not a great draft, I would say. No, no, doesn't sound. One, like one, you say Aaron Donald's Hall of Famer. Yes. Current. Yeah. Khalil Mack. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yep, I could. He'd be close. And that's about it as far as Hall of Famers. Two in that draft: Odell Beckham. Probably not. Mike Evans. Potentially. So, yeah. A couple guys at the top. Everybody else, not, not so good. Um, speaking of the NFL, Alex Smith docu- uh, E60 oh. piece on Friday. Looks like that's going to be very good. It's detailing the gruesome knee injury he suffered with Washington a couple of years ago. Uh, and the 17, or like the, all the, the, the numerous surgeries that he had and how he was close to death and just chronicles he and his wife's journey. So that looks very good. So a uh, good documentary piece on Alex Smith. Again, that's Friday on ESPN. And that leads me to my question for you with uh, ah! episodes three and four of The Last Dance. Very what good. did you like about it? What was your biggest takeaway? I like how they say just F-bomb this, F-bomb that. I'm glad that they said that. I heard that, and I was impressed that they let that air, but I'm glad that they did. 
Yeah, yeah, I think ESPN2 that has a censored version, and ESPN, ESPN has, like, the HBO version. F this shit, anything, it's great. Yeah. Uh, this one was on Dennis Rodman, and how crazy he is. Um, this one was focused on kind of the second quarter of the season. Scotty Pippen is back now from his injury. And talked a lot about Dennis Rodman, the whole thing on Phil Jackson. They go back and forth, and they kind of covered the Bulls' ascent the late 80s. They had to get by the Piston. There was a lot of Piston stuff in there. Oh, sure, with Bill Lambeer and Isaiah Thomas and, yep. and stuff. So that, that, that tied in well with Rodman being a part of the Pistons, and I was part of the Bulls. And uh, I guess Isaiah Thomas was really the only Piston guy on there. They had an assistant coach there, too, but... Um, is how these two teams and then players hate each other now, 30 years later, is hate each other. <laughs> Michael Jordan hates Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, shithead extraordinaire. And Michael Jordan is, is just the best in, in this thing. He's, he's really good. Well, he should be. And he then, should be the best. They centered around him in his last season with oh, the Bulls. Yeah. He, but he's, he's not a guy that does a lot of interviews. Like he could, mm-hmm. I'm sure if they did a thing on, they've done something on, I think it was a pretty big deal a few years ago on the Celtics and Lakers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like a three-part series. I that was good. But uh, like he doesn't do a lot of interviews, so it's good to see him open up and say yeah, it, it, it weird on him that he couldn't beat Detroit, that he had to win a title. To you know, be with Magic Johnson, be with Larry Bird. He had to like he was considered even in like in the late mid late eighties. Like he was considered the best player, but he couldn't win anything. Mm-hmm. So he finally does, and they went to the first uh, finals against the Lakers. So that's where we're at now. They like, number five and six. Going to focus on probably the last two titles or, of the first run. Going to talk about the Dream Team. Uh, I think that would. Probably set us up for seven and eight would be his retirement and his comeback, and then nine and ten can kind of be the you know a lot about the Jazz and uh, the last two titles. So very yeah, fun look. Like six million people watched again, so they're holding their audience pretty well. Yep. And it just it just flies by for me watching it. It just it's two hours, but I feel like it's no time at all. Just goes by so quick. Now the so, the Chicago Bulls intro music, the Alan Parsons project. That's who crazy. that's who did that. Like they, people say when they, I think it was Stu Gatz yeah. on the Dan Levitard show said when he heard that, like he, he gets chills. You know, it's it's so synonymous with the '90s. Now when I think of the '90s more, I think yes, that music comes to mind. But we think of the NBA on NBC. I yeah. think what we should do sometime. We should get. We should do our own March Madness tournament in terms of the music, the theme song. Like ESPN's got a lot of like those old NFL countdown or what do you call it? The prime time. Prime time. Oh, like, that, that, that's a, there's like ten of them. They all kind of sound the same, but they're all a little different. Oh, it, like th- without question. Let me like this. I, I'm going to pull up the. The best mute NFL primetime song. Like, anytime you hear this, you know it's a big deal. Uh, I get it. Yeah. So, I, do you think the Allen, or the Allen 
Parsons project is the best out there? For intro music of a team, yes. I don't even know why like, there's really not more than one that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, just everything about the Bulls. I was a fan of them, obviously. Yep. But there was no team cooler than them. If you liked them or you hated them, I mean, people would watch it. I mean, people are watching this. Mm-hmm. I, and you just look on Twitter afterwards, you got to get like 20 tweets down to find somebody who's not talking about this. And, oh, it's just very good. I think mean, it's the best thing they've done as far as all the 30 for 30s. Right. If you want to, and it's a long, I mean, it's, it's hard to, compared to another normal hour and a half, two hour one. There's been a lot of good ones, but this, there's a lot to tell here, and it's very good. Here's this NFL primetime music. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Like, that is the best, right? I mean, like, it's just, it's so good. Uh, That's, It's so good. That's the one instance where music in sports is actually good. <laughs> and it's not some shithead up there singing. It's some instrumental piece that you wouldn't yep. think this doesn't fit at all. But yes, yes, it does fit at all. Yes, it does. It's synonymous. It's like, when, when did we decide we needed music in sports? Not like bands, but like the intro music. shows. Yep. Like before the draft, they had random dude they had Luke Bryan on oh. in the middle of the night one night yep. playing like who gives a shit about this nobody is going to like this what is the point of this I, I, I don't know I was just I to, to, enter, uh, to keep the audience Hank entertained Williams, I guess I don't know uh, Hank Williams Jr. one of nice football that's pretty good yep. he's a shithead but that's all and all that's all that's pretty good yep Yep. Carry on board face hill. Oh, fine. Yes. They did a good job. Yes, absolutely. I don't think with that. Yep. Yep. Anything else, I don't... There hasn't been anything else that... Musical guests... I mean, what ESPN, what foot, Monday Night Football did, they had oh. some sort of a concert. That, what, what did they do? They yeah, oh, yeah, it, it was Jesus. so bad. I think we. I think I can uh, t- perhaps top like the carry under. Luther Vandross, One Shining Moment. I don't like that, but that's fine. I, I mean, it's, did, when they got, oh my gosh, who who? I don't. When they switched it to one year, people had an eruption. Oh, they had oh, it was so bad, Krenz. It was so bad. It's so I terrible. Mess with that. Yeah, it, it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's it, it's as simple as that. Um, More times than not, music doesn't work. But if it's certain things, it does work. Yeah. And then. Uh, but there's no sports on right now. You can try. I've been watching a lot of old YouTube stuff and these old games. I don't even really care about the game. But I care more about like the broadcasters and what it looks like mm-hmm. and like the pregame, like the pregame stuff. I care about that more than the actual game. Yep. Of who was doing it, how they presented the game. And it just seems so much bigger back then than it does now. For some reason, I am watching. I think it's because sports wasn't it. It wasn't as widespread as it is now. You didn't have all Not the. Not every day. You yeah. can't, like back then, you couldn't watch every game. Here, you can watch every game of any team. 
you didn't you didn't have the Fox Sports uh, you know family of channels. I mean, remember the Twins like up until like seven or ten years ago when they first opened up Target Field. There they didn't have games on every day. Like the, some of their home games, like the 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 more the 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 daytime games, those weren't on Fox Sports at all. Like it, so. It has been a steady progression where they've said, like, oh, this is the moneymaker. But, yeah, I mean, sports back then, if you, it wasn't on all the time, so you had to watch. You know, and now even just thinking back, I, mean, I remember when we were talking about March Madness spreading to TBS and TNT and True TV. You're like, oh, this, this, why, like, why do it? Like, why mess with the good thing? CBS is doing just fine. And wow. now it's like, okay, this is great. You know, we can watch any game that we want. This, they it, it's good. It's a good thing. It was, it was NBC I was watching last week, the 1989 National League Championship Series between the Cubs and the Giants. And it was on NBC. It was like Marv Elbert doing the pregame. It wow. was at Wrigley Field. And it was the first maybe night playoff game at Wrigley Field that looked great. NBC's the best at sports. It looks the best. That was great. They had on, it must have been NHL Network late last night, they had like the 1991 All-Star Game from Chicago Stadium, and that was on NBC, and that looked great. Like NBC can do, like they have the best yep. production yep. Of, of anything. And all these old games, and the, they had the uh, 65 All-Star Game on the other night uh, for Metropolitan Stadium on FSN. That may have been the worst quality of thing I've ever seen broadcast <laughs> on TV. Did you see? I mean, it was black and white, nineteen sixty-five. It was not good. Yeah. Like you can have good quality video from nineteen sixty-five. This, I don't know if you saw it. This year was not it. Yeah. They Indeed. had the eighty-five All-Star Game from the Metrodome on last night. That was fine. The turf looked horrendous. The Metrodome looked like garbage. <laughs> the back, the backstop was just trash. Just crap. <laughs> so I like, I like watching all this old stuff. It's I, I just like, it. and thank God, like I'm watching this All Star game. I got no idea what the score is. I, I don't know who's on base. Don't know anything. What about the game? Don't know the count. Don't know the inning. Completely lost. So that's the only down downside. Finally, uh, the NBA is trying to re- uh, get practice facilities back open. Uh, sounds like they're going to try and shoot for May eighth. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I think, I think the NBA and NHL just need to reside to the fact that they're not going to have a season this year and just stop uh, because. Of like if baseball is going to come back in July, I think they can have hockey and basketball. Okay. Like if that's going to happen. I just, so if it's going to go into August, then that's fine. And you just delay the start of uh, the next hockey season to, uh, to August 1st instead of August 2nd. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see what happens there. A um, couple weeks, the NFL schedule will come, on, uh, will come out. So we we'll... know what happened. Nobody knows the most popular sport known to man. We never know. Is it going to be this day? It could be that day. The biggest bunch of shit all year. When is it going to happen? Nobody knows. Is it May seventh? Is it May ninth? Who knows when it's going to happen? Well, we'll, well, we'll have a 
we'll have a podcast that week to uh, to go over the schedule and uh, look at the primetime. They're not the dumbest fucking thing, though. They're not so goddamn stupid. I, I love it. I love it. I don't know why you have to be well, such a Debbie Downer. It's, it's, it's so dumb that they don't they never announce what it is. What do you mean? Like, it's like... When is it? We don't know. Like, well, this is first, this, second week this, of May, like, we don't know it. We don't really know it yet. I, I, in all honesty, I think what's driving it is the fact that they're trying to figure out, A, like, when, or like, will this, will the season start on time? Will, you know, will, will fans be back in the... I, I know, but I think that they're trying to figure that out with their TV partners. Like I saw that their Amazon apparently has agreed to a deal with the NFL, and they're going to stream a, a Saturday game. Um, like that's the only way you can watch it is streaming on Amazon. Like the ratings for that are going to be I guess, shit. Like locally, it's going to be on. I guess. What's that? Like locally, it'll be on. Yeah, local. TV, yeah, right. Else. Yes, but. So when Tennessee plays Jacksonville, eight o'clock on December fourteenth. Yes, you then then you won't have to worry about that. Um, no, but like next Monday, announced okay, it's going to be released next Thursday night, May eighth or May seventh, whenever it is. Yep. Make the schedule like you would, and then you know I'm sure they got a plan. They've had a plan out there. And then all right, if we need to delay it, we'll just delay the season. I mean, announce when it's going to be. I'm sure it's pretty much done by now. I th- Do it. Have your backup schedule. Just announce when you're going to announce it. Here's the thing. you got to have the 16-game schedule, and then I think you it they are going to backload it with divisional games so it's easy if they have to cancel some games. I think what they should do is very simple. You do a 16-game schedule, and then you do a 10-game schedule. The 10 games, you will just have the division, and then whatever... Div- uh, than whatever other division in your conference that you play, team. So, like for this year, the Vikings play, and the the NFC North plays the NFC South. So you'd play your division teams total of six times, like the six games twice each, and then you play the four teams in the NFC South. That's ten games. It's it means every team in your division plays the exact same schedule as you with. The only difference being home games are going to be switched around for the NFC South opponents. And you just do that for every... like. That's the easiest way to do it. You'd start with the division games. in the So it's like a sandwich. The first three weeks are division games. The middle four then are the games against the NFC South. The last three, division games. Boom. Ten games. It's that. It, it's so simple. It's so simple. And the reason why that should be the method... Or the model that they go after instead of, say, um, you know, like a 12 or 14 game schedule is that you have, like, the Saints play the Chiefs this year in New Orleans. If you're a Saints fan, you want to see the Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes play in that game, and now all of a sudden the NFL scraps it because they, like, you know, because of COVID and stuff. Mahomes ain't coming back for another eight years. And hopefully, God willing, he's going to be around then. But if by chance he doesn't, you are depriving the fans in that city a chance to see arguably the best player in the NFL right now. The the best player in the NFL right now. So if if the NFL would be far smarter, and if you want to even go 12 games and say, okay, you just play the other teams like in... 
like that you matched up with standings wise from the year ago, that's fine. But I think that creates you know strength of schedule, uh, in you know, discrepancies. Just do ten games, play the exact same teams in with like everyone in your division does, and call it that. Like that's that to me is so simple. I don't understand why it's not done. I think that I would maybe try and start the season as early as possible. Okay. Maybe get ahead of it. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think everybody expects us to come back in the fall. If you could start this Labor Day weekend, like late late August, you could start this maybe a couple weeks early. I think it. De- I think it depends, though, on what the college football get- season looks like. So I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Yeah. How they do this. With fans, with, I mean, this is a long ways away yet. Yep. And maybe things, I mean, we're, I mean, we're already at the, 5 o'clock yesterday, the, the mayor of the town I met said, all right, the governor announced today, can reopen stuff, just be careful, be smart about it. So I said, all right, we're open again, just be smart about it, do, do the same things, but you can actually go to places now. So, like the gym, gyms, at least one gym was open here today. Mm-hmm. I think they were blocking off uh, every other piece of equipment. So it'll be interesting to see what the numbers show here in the next month. That will kind of you can mingle around here, but it has not been a problem here. We've had five cases; they're all recovered. We've had a little over two hundred people tested in a county of less than twenty thousand. So it, and that's why I think the NFL is holding off as long as they can. It's, I don't know. I, mean, I like they, they can announce at any time because they're just not going to know until the time comes what's going to happen. So right, that's why I would create two schedules: one with sixteen games and, and one and with I, ten. Yeah, I think they will. They'll announce a sixteen-game one, and then they'll keep the other one in their back pockets without bye weeks or with yep. whatever. No week between the Super Bowl and the title game. Just a condensed, quicker schedule. I sure hope as hell we're back to semi-normal status by the that time, so we don't have to potentially go through that. But but we'll see. Yeah, we'll just take it day by day, and uh, hopefully we get the the testing continues to increase. The the, the COVID will dissipate a little bit. But um, yeah, just taking it day by day, Crins. Taking it day by day. Apparently, here we are. Anything else before we say so long? It's about it. I mean, things are reopening maybe probably quicker than they should, so yeah. I think it's probably because of money in the economy. It's like, all right, we've done this for six weeks now, and people are tired of it. Another thing I don't understand, um, here in Mitchell at least, and other towns have done this as well, like Friday night, Saturday night, they're driving up and down Main Street. Why? Like, like, what? Like, are people that goddamn bored? Uh, like, you know what? You got nothing to do? Let's cruise. cruise. It's like a big fucking parade. There's like literally like a hundred cars from one end of Main Street to the other. Just bumper to bumper. It's like, is that fun? Like, what? Let's get out and just roll down Main Street up and down a couple times. Like, what fun is that? To me, that's dumb. Yeah. It's a, 
But I don't are, know. Are you taking part in any local parades up and down nope. St. Cloud's Main Street? Then, hey, let's get out of the house and let's drive down Main Street and then let's turn back and drive the other way and then. <laughs> no. But it. Home? Like, so oh, I guess. When. When the governors uh, a couple weeks ago said, "Okay, this weekend, you know, we're going to open up the parks. You can like go golfing, you can go hiking, go biking, but just maintain social distancing rules." I'm like, "That's a bad idea because people aren't going to adhere to those rules. They're going to try to a degree, and then eventually they're going to be like, yeah, I mean, screw it, we're out here, and you have so many people crowding. It's just going to be bad.' And I think that that has happened to a degree, and you know." Obviously, the testing of the, the the increased amount of testing is leading to more positive tests, and that's that's fine. But I think what you're doing is you're you're not setting up the state for success in the long run. You, we want to get back to normal as soon as possible. So I'm going to do what I can and just stay the hell inside. I'm not. I don't want to go out golfing and hit at a, a PCP pipe. You know, instead of go going like knocking my ball into a hole. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to golf as I would normally do so. I would want to be able to, you know, golf with, you know, not having to maintain six feet of social distance or feel like, you know, if I don't, I don't know. I just want to be able to get back to normal. And I feel like I, I'm getting antsy. I'm getting certainly you know, cabin fever, but I know that if I don't adhere to it until I'm told otherwise, it's only going to be worse and we're going to have this prolonged effect. So, it's just, I, it's dumb. I think we'll have a vaccine or something at least maybe by the fall or at least by next year to help things. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like Oxford maybe, Oxford University is coming through with a a vaccine. I think I saw uh, something briefly on the Daily Show uh, earlier yeah. this week. I mean, today is positive things today. I think you got some people in a certain individual I'm sure you could guess right away. Like, all these people complaining about it. It's like, they're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to make sure as few people die as possible. And you have people complaining about freedom and shit like this. It's like, like, if, if this isn't enough to keep you inside, then what is? Right. Like, a million people have it, 60,000, 50,000 are dead. I'm sure those are going to at least double. Why wouldn't they? It's only been six weeks. I, and for some reason, they say here in South Dakota, we were supposed to peak in June, mm-hmm. which I don't understand there. Yeah. And if we're supposed to peak in June, then why are we reopening exactly six right. weeks before that? Why would you not wait until after the projected peak? North Dakota. To me, that goes against, they keep on saying, oh, we're going with science. We're going with the facts and the data. Yep. Well, the facts and the data, as you told me, said it's going to be six weeks until we peak. So why the hell would we open before we reach the peak? That makes zero sense. And this is. North North Dakota's the same way. I it and yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I wish somebody would ask the governor if they've not asked already, is it the peak in June or early June if that's the case, why are we reopening before we've peaked? I don't understand. 
I, I don't need And if for some reason this has become political, it's like all the Republicans are just dumb or they like money too much. It's like, how is this? I get, I get wanting to reopen the economy, but you have to do it smart. And if you rush into it, you're only going to have worse effects down the road or worse. Just, we just have to be smart. We have to just, I don't think we can last much longer than say another month, but like to to me, all of this has proven is that the most important thing in this world, in this society, the most important thing is money. It's the biggest thing in human history, money. Mm-hmm. It's all of these, like, like I said a few weeks ago, all these companies that are laying off people, it's like, that don't need to. They don't need, like, baseball is paying their employees. Well, yes, they should. Yeah. And the, like, when all of this came out, and you had, like, Kevin Love donating money or, or to the to the workers. It's like, yeah. the owner, that's nice. It's the not- owners have a hundred times more money than you do. They should be doing this. This is this is a hundred bucks to them compared to us. Mm-hmm. Why are all these companies slashing this, cutting this, when they don't need, I mean, they make billions and tens and tens of billions of dollars a year. And then don't pay taxes. Like, oh, and don't pay taxes. It's like, it's money. Like, they don't need to do it. And it's, it's, the whole, whole society crumbled because money was the number one thing about health, about people living. We don't have gun control. We don't have any of this. Why? Because, God damn it, we need more money. And if it's, it's, you can't go six weeks or two months, these big businesses without getting income, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. You said more money, and that made me think of the South Park episode when Canada needs more money. Yeah, we want some of your money. I don't know if you've ever money, seen money. it when Canada goes on strike. Good episode. Okay. All right, my friend. Uh, we'll uh, we'll chat again here, hopefully sooner versus la- uh, sooner rather than later, and hopefully there will be some sports news to talk about. But enjoy the last dance, and uh, uh, we'll keep oh, in yeah. touch. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Krenz joined us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time, thoughts, everything as always. It's it's a, a crazy world we live in. I don't know. I I'm just doing what I can. I hope what I'm doing is not negatively impacting the lives of others, and I would hope others don't. I know others are negatively making decisions that could affect my ability to do stuff later on whether it be the summer or this year it's it's a it's a very it's a very difficult uh situation to handle and that's uh i don't mean to leave you on a debbie downer note here on this week's sports block podcast uh, but you hopefully you enjoyed the draft uh unless you're a packers fan in which case then we are leaving you on that debbie downer note uh, Vikings were great, Ravens were great, Cowboys were great, Jaguars, Bengals, Browns, solid, the New York team's good. Uh, it's a fun draft to watch. Uh, we will be off next week. We'll have a draft, unless there's a draft, maybe we'll, we'll have a podcast late next week or on the weekend or the week after to talk about the NFL schedule. And then after that, it's whenever, whenever there's some sports 
thing going on, whether that be baseball, whether that be basketball, whether it be hockey. We'll talk sports. So uh, for Jeff, the great Jeff Lloyd, and the magnificent Travis Crins, I'm Nathan Sack, and thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, available on podcast.com, uh, on Twitter, at Andy Stack, and at Travis Crins, at Jeff underscore Lloyd underscore, or underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, at Lockdown Browns. Uh, Facebook, Nathan Sack, and link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the draft. And uh, stay safe. Be well. Stay in good health. We'll get through this together, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Both that we get back to normal and that sports comes back. Nathan Sack and saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be well.